This is the Non-Microwave Truth, a podcast brought to you by Time of Grace, and I am C.L. Whiteside. Let's get into our first world problem right away today, and I want you to think about this as Christians. It doesn't matter if you are married or you are single, but do you think as Christians there should be a time limit on dating? And the reason I ask this question is because for the average person, do you think that the more time that you spend dating or being in a relationship with someone, that equates to the more sexual you're going to be with that person? Like, let's keep it real. What do you really think about that? Like, I know there are people that have been together for years and have not had sex, but I don't know a lot. I do not know a lot. And that is our first world problem question today. Should there be a time limit on dating? And we're really looking at this from a Christian perspective, not just the average person. Like as a Christian, should you put a time limit on dating? I know I've talked to people who said, you know, they put a limit on how many times they would go on a date with the person. So they might say, like, I'll go with I'll go on a date three times with this person. And if I don't think I can pursue them in a marriage sense, it's no point on me continuously going on a date with them, because all that's going to do is lead to us ended up being sexual. And I definitely think that we use dating or relationships like it's marriage practice. And it should be to an extent, but in a whole nother way, it should be nothing like it. We usually talk about the marriage practice like in a freaky sexual way. Like, let's just be honest about that. We don't really talk about it in a loving type of way. And dating really has taught all of us. And I know this from going on a lot of dates. Dating has taught us to be conditional lovers. When marriage is all about unconditional love, conditional love in the sense that this person does this. So because they did this, I love them. But this person didn't do that. So, you know what? I don't love them or I got to end this. And that's definitely not how marriage works or shouldn't work. I should say marriage is about that unconditional love and that grace. But this is a hard line to draw. Because this is one of those things, pastors, a term that pastors like to use is adiaphora. It's not commanded in the Bible. It's not forbidden. But what do you think? What do you think? As Christians, should there be a time limit on dating to protect yourself from being sexual? And I guess a lot of this deals with, from a personal standpoint, what would be best for you? I knew for myself that a time limit was definitely good or a time limit was definitely needed. But what about you? And if you have kids, would you tell your kids they probably should have a time limit too when it comes to dating or being in a relationship with someone? And I would love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is championlife23. And this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. title of our episode today is S-E-X. This is a three-part series. I'm going to go backwards though and explain to you what the three-part series is about. The third episode is going to be about how to handle sexual temptation and how to enhance our sexual experiences while respecting the order of God's design with sex. The second episode is going to be about the overlooked topic, or I shouldn't say overlooked, but it's going to be about porn. And pornography. And the episode today is going to be about the dangers and blessings of sex and compare it to how God views it 
versus how our culture views it and how the devil wants to trap us with it. But God wants to bless us with sex. S-E-X. Now, I'll say sex a lot, but a lot of times I'm just talking about sexual sins. And some of you might be wondering, well, what is a sexual sin? Matthew 5 verse 28 tells us, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This could also apply to women as well and, and vice versa in row. But we're pretty much talking about anything where you're getting freaky, sexual, or you are mimicking or doing things that lead up to sex. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah, that's what we're going to go with. And the first thing I want to do is talk about the facts about sex, the non-microwave truths about sex, things that people don't tell others to deter them from having sex. I think a lot of fear tactics will be, will be you know, you'll get an STI. And that's very true. But there are lots of other things, lots of other facts that are overlooked or taken lightly when it comes to sex. And fact number one, sex is not just an action. It is super, super powerful. Like even an atheist or a person who says there is no God would say that life is the most precious thing that we have. And when you think about this, sex can create a whole nother life. And a kid is such a blessing, whether you have the kid inside of marriage or you have the kid outside of marriage. But when we look at God's ideal setup, when we look at God's design, God wants us to have children in marriage. And the reason being is because, number one, your spouse is supposed to be the most important in that family structure. But when you have a kid outside of marriage, that all of a sudden throws off that order. It throws off the design that God has intended for all of us to have. And then we have questions or we have um, conflict with, hold up, who's more important now? Is it the kid or is it my baby mama or is it this girlfriend or boyfriend that I, I currently have? And I'll talk a little bit later and get more into that. But just think about that. The fact that you can create a whole nother life lets you know how powerful sex is. Second thing I want to give you, second fact that I want to give you is sex is intended to make two become one. Sex is intended to make two people become one. And not only did God design it to be physically enjoyable and for it to physically fit, but there's also a spiritual connection that you can have or you are supposed to have in sex. And that is why God made it clear that it is designed for one man and one woman who are married. And one of the biggest reasons it was designed was for the connection, the two becoming one. And you think about or you look at in the Bible, how many arranged marriages they had. That means these people didn't even know each other, but they just got married. They had to get married. It was like love at first sight, whatever TV show you want to compare it to. And there was a phrase that the Bible used to use. It would say that the person knew and knew meant to have sex, to be in the most vulnerable state possible. So to give you an example, it would say something like Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. It's clearly talking about sex. But getting back to that fact that sex is intended to make two become one. And I'll go into detail with this more later, but it actually makes sense. And I guess I could say it's one of the consequences of having sex outside of marriage. When your spouse is tripping about something that happened five or 10 years ago, 
with someone you had a sexual relationship with because you were designed to have sex with one person or that was what God intended and wanted. So if you're married, keep on connecting. And if you're not married, slow down. And the third point, sex outside of marriage almost guarantees that you're going to get manipulated with sex or the sexual relationships that you're having. I, I can guarantee it. If you like me, you'll have sex with me. Or, you know, I wanted to prove that I love you, so let's have sex. And if you're married, this is very cool. This is God's design. But if you're not, then you're being disobedient. And a pastor pointed this out to me the other day, and he talked about how Adam dropped the ball with his responsibility as the head of the family when Eve ate the fruit. If you notice in 1 Timothy 2, verse 13 to 14, it says, For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Adam decided he would rather die with Eve than to live without her. So he ate the fruit. Now, a question for you. What hill are you willing to die on? Like we picked that hill of I want to die for Riley or Tay or Noel or Heather. And when we have sex or do sexual things outside of marriage, you are literally picking that person or that thing over God. And I think the younger you start, the more you either are getting manipulated or you are being the manipulator. And what I mean by that is, let's say you start having sex at 16 years old. It's a very slim chance that you're going to be like, hey, mom, yeah, I'm about to go leave. I'm about to go have sex with Jen. Or if your parent was to call and say, hey, what are you doing? You're actually going to tell the truth like, yeah, Kendall's parents aren't here. We just got done getting freaky. No. Most of us are going to lie in that situation. And you know what happens when you lie? You get comfortable lying. And then you start lying about more things. And you get used to not telling the whole truth. And you get used to leaving key details out and key things out. And let's say you're like 24 or 25. And you're like, I'm a free spirit. I can have sex with whoever I want. You still are probably going to lie if you've had multiple sex partners or you currently have multiple sex partners. So let's say you're hitting three to four different people at the same time. That person might ask you a question like, hey, am I the only person I, you talk to? And you're going to be like, you're the only person I really talk to. Yeah, but in the back of your mind, you're like, well, I just had sex with her. I just had sex with her. And you're like, you didn't ask the right question, so I'm not going to give you the real answer. And that's what I mean by you get used to manipulating. You get used to lying. You get used to answering the question that you want to answer, but you don't answer the full question. You're like, well, they should have asked better questions. And when you get to that point, that's scary because you stop seeing people as people like you don't see that person as a child of God or those people, I should say, as children of God. You just see them as like a thing. You just see them as a way to get an orgasm. You just see them as how can I use them and get what I want out of this person? And to add to that manipulation, that makes you very callous. And the fourth point that I want to bring up, and I know I've already said this, that sex is intended for married people to connect. But sex also, if you have sex outside of marriage, makes you stay in relationships that should be done. Like you really can't even stand the person, but the sex is there. So there's that connection through sex that is still there, that is still alive. And what can happen too with, with married couples who've had sex outside of marriage before is that you could have like the worst relationship ever and you like hated spending time with that person. But you had sex with them and you could end up subconsciously comparing them to your spouse 
and you don't even necessarily realize it. And maybe I shouldn't say you wouldn't realize this, realize it, but you could get to a point because you've had so many sexual partners where it's never enough when you are married. Like you're used to having multiple people and you could have invited some demons into your life that you never addressed before you got married. And when you've had previous sexual partners, the devil is really, really good at this. He tries to make you forget that sex when you get married will probably be something that you need to work at and you'll need to communicate your needs and you need to communicate your desires. But if you look at TV, if you look at movies, it's always pot passion. It's always clicking. It always seems so easy. It always seems so perfect. And you get a false sense of it's going to be perfect. That's something that the devil wants to just promote. He wants to lie to you about. But you got to remember inside of marriage, practice makes perfect. And that's a blessing that's overlooked when it comes to sex inside of marriage is that God does want you to work at it. God does want you to be in a position where you are aiming to please the other person. And it's not all about you. It's not a selfish thing. Now, my next point, I wouldn't necessarily call it a fact, but I would say it's an observation. And the observation is that single people, especially like when they're in a new romance or a new relationship, they try to take all the sexy, freaky, spice up your sex life advice and tips that should be intended for married people if it's intended for for anyone. And something I want to just make sure that we all understand, the devil wants us to have as much sex possible outside of marriage and as little as possible between husband and wife. And sex outside of marriage, it jacks up our definition of love. It gives you a, a false sense of love. Because when you look at it, all of us, every single individual, every single person wants to be loved. And when you have sex outside of marriage, that jacks up what love means to you even more. And it, we start searching for love in the wrong places. We start searching for an escape in the wrong place. We start thinking that Eros is the greatest form of love. And it is absolutely a form that should be in in marriage. But a lot of times we get that mixed up with lust. And then we also think that that's the only form of love when the greatest form of love is that agape love. It's that unconditional love. It's that's that's the love that really fulfills us. That's the love we're really looking for. But we get confused because we have a jacked up sense of what love is. And the reason I brought up that point about the single people taking all the sexy, freaky advice is because when you do end up getting a spouse, that can end up making you become lazy and then rob yourself out of excitement with your actual spouse. And because you have expressed that type of love to a person or to people and what you got in return was pain and hurt and that could set up a trigger or that could just make you be like, this is pointless. Why would I do that? When in reality, it wasn't pointless. It's just that the timing and who you were doing it with was wrong. And we get damaged from that type of thing. And that could be a reason why you don't want to express that form of love to your spouse, even though it has nothing to do with them. So I guess that's something for married people to think about. And to add to this point is that we kind of talked about the future problems that it could cause in a marriage. But it also sex limits your opportunities when it's outside of marriage. Like it limits your opportunity to be friends with certain people. And it also is like your spouse is like, I don't want you to be around that person. If you smash them, you go certain places and all of a sudden certain questions are being asked. And you want to have a spouse that when you go somewhere, you're not going to run into somebody who's had sex with your spouse. 
and you also want to be that type of spouse and not have those interactions where everywhere you go, you run into somebody that you used to have sex with. You don't want this problem, but that shouldn't matter. That was in the past. But like I said, we were designed when you have sex to become one. So though you think that that problem should just be over and done with, that is not what sex was designed to do for you just to get over it. And the person is not going to get over it just by you telling them to get over it. You're going to need some Jesus. And just in case you're keeping track, this is my seventh point. Sex outside of marriage creates a false sense of confidence. It creates a false sense of swag. Like I look at certain high school students who are having sex. They all of a sudden think they grown like they are an adult. And it's like you are not an adult. They become possessive. They become arrogant like they own the person. It's like relying on a high calorie diet, but there's no nutritional value. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, this can cause some major embarrassment because all of a sudden you have a, a different reputation. You might have a reputation of being easy or, or sweet from a sexual sense. And people put their identity in their sexuality. And this is not God's design at all. And something probably not talked about a lot is that people can have like guilt and a shame after sex. I would call that like the post sex regret. Some people would say post orgasm regret. And I know men, especially after they have had sex and had an orgasm, it's back to reality. And they're asking themselves like, dude, why did I have sex with this woman? And then I've also seen the the embarrassment and the guilt and the shame where you've had sex or relations uh, relations with someone and then after that they don't want anything to do with you and you thought that you were going to be in a relationship with them or you thought it was going to be more or they were actually going to love you and they do the exact opposite they start blocking you they start ignoring you and they want absolutely nothing to do with you and i definitely don't want you to think that if you are in that guilt or embarrassment stage that you have to stay there because guess what jesus paid for those sins as well and he, without a doubt, still loves you. And I think that's one of the tricks that the devil tries to play on you. And he'll be like, hey, Jesus doesn't love you anymore because that was just so egregious. Like that was a horrible sin. But you got to know that it's paid for. Now, my eighth point is that there are still inevitable consequences, though, when you have sex outside of marriage. Like you could literally lose your mind where you just you don't make any more sense. Like you don't make sense because you are driven by sex so much. Proverbs 6 has a section that is titled warning against adultery. And this is talking about any form of sexual immorality. And it's talking about adultery. And the author in Proverbs compares this to like stealing. And when we have sex with anyone that is not our spouse, that is not the person that we are married to and have the, the covenant of marriage with, we are stealing something from our spouse our present spouse or our future spouse, if we've already done that. And it says, yet if he is caught, he must pay sevenfold, though it cost him all the wealth of his house. But a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. It literally says you destroy yourself when you do that. And that brings me to the next point. Sex outside of marriage creates a major wedge in your relationship with God. Because all of a sudden you get comfortable doing something that God detests and God says not to do. You get very comfortable being disobedient. You start changing and you start manipulating God's word. 
and sex becomes like an, an idol to you. And it starts making you say, you know what, forget God. And you know what, I want to question this too. And all of a sudden that thrill of sex is greater than your obedience to God. And you become like a slave to evil. And it's like a gateway behavior. And I say that because when are some of the main times that people want to have sex? When they're drunk or they're high. And you got a lot of chemicals going off and you got a lot of chemicals that you're chasing and being released. And all of a sudden you can't enjoy life without these things happening. And you become addicted to this lifestyle. And my last point that I want to bring up with this is you can definitely overcome the body count. You can overcome comparison that comes with it. You can overcome having a kid or multiple kids. But how do you do that? You got to stay renewing yourself through Christ. You have to stay reflecting on his grace. You got to stay looking at his truths and Christ's victories that we are granted with as well. And not our losses, not our past mistakes, not our past sins, because that's what the devil wants us to do. And I know this is hard because our culture loves and promotes sex so much. And I want to look at some of those ideas that our culture tries to push on us. And one of them is you can't have fun or get to know someone without sex. Like you got to test drive the car, man. Come on now. But that is definitely not true. And in fact, sex, especially in the dating stages, keeps you from actually getting to know a person because you always can go to the easy thing, which is to go and have sex or do something sexual. And something else I know that you've heard or I've definitely heard is, you know, God created me with these desires and these hormones and, and this attraction. And I should be able to act on what I feel. But Matthew 16, verse 24 tells us. If you will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Like I've continued to say, God's design for sex is to be in marriage. Like sex is a gift that God gave to husband and wife. And I know some people are like, well, you can't have any fun as a Christian because you got to get married and I don't want to get married. You do know it's absolutely okay to be single. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 32, Paul says, I would like you to become free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But some of us don't want to be concerned with the Lord's affairs at all. And that's what we have to ask ourselves. Are we really trying to take up the cross that Jesus has in place for us? And some of us are like, nope, I'm not trying to do it yet. I'm trying to have some fun. I'm trying to get it on real quick. But you do understand that you're putting yourself in a position where you could end up losing your soul. That ain't nothing to play with, man. And any time that I've had that thought process, God has humbled me. And I thank him for that. And honestly, it's really not worth it. Like you think that you're missing out on so much when you really aren't. And that's just something I realized. Like if I knew better, that was my cue to do better. But I'm not going to lie. I didn't always want to do better. And not only do you see this message all the time on TV or on movies or on whatever your favorite show is, but you hear it all the time in songs, songs talking about sex and getting some or songs talking about body parts and all type of stuff. I bet you the average person could name more songs about sex than they could Bible verses. Um, I could name John 316. I could name that one verse. Jesus wept. I'm just playing. I'm probably in the same boat. But you see how much sex permeates throughout our culture. 
And I have to point out to you that the Bible, our God, he talks a lot about sex. Song of Songs, which is a book in the Bible, it talks a lot about sex. And what we got to realize is that sex isn't just for boring reproduction. Like there are two different places, at least in this book, where God is talking about love and he's talking about sex in like a poetic form. We believe that Solomon wrote this. He's maybe talking about like his wet night and he's also talking about how to romance and have sex, have good and godless sex. But that's the thing about the Bible. It doesn't just leave you with that information there. It tells you how to. It tells you when. It tells you why. And it tells you the best practice. Our culture, it just says, go and start a fire. But it doesn't tell you the, the why and the when and the how and the best practice. The whole point of our culture is to destroy you, is to destroy me. And the reason I said that sex is like fire is because a fire can burn your face. It can have you blow up a loved one or ultimately kill yourself. But God's word is going to tell you how to control that fire, how to get the most out of that fire, how to feel the warmth of that fire, how to make that fire the most appealing and look the best possible. And I know some people are like, man, I don't want to hear all of that because they have this idea that it's no sex like new sex. And in first Kings 11, Solomon had this same thought process. Solomon had so many women. He had over a thousand wives. But you know what happened with that? It led him astray. And it clearly says that this was evil in the eyes of the Lord. But our culture would counter that by saying, you know what? It's my body. It's my choice. But God, through Paul, he addresses the freaky Corinthians with this. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 and 17, he says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you together are that temple. So our bodies aren't even our bodies. They're actually God's bodies. It's like we're renting them. He goes on to say, do you not know that your body is a house of God where the Holy Spirit lives? God gave you his Holy Spirit. Now you belong to God. Like we don't belong to ourselves. God bought you with a great price. So honor God with your body. You belong to him. Or how about 1 Corinthians 7 verse 4? And this is for married people. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. But like, I just feel like I shouldn't have to get married. If we're two consenting adults and we want to have sex, that's okay. And you're correct. If you are a man and a woman that's married. Because Hebrews 13 verse 4 tells us marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God would judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. Proverbs 5 verse 15 tells us this is the new. This is the NLT version. Be faithful to your own wife just as you drink water from your own well. Don't pour your water out in the streets. Don't give your love to just any woman. These things are yours alone and shouldn't be shared with strangers. Or how about 1 Corinthians 7 verse 2? But sexual sin is a danger. Each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. I think those passages make it pretty clear. And I know there are some parents who are tired of fighting this battle. So you know what? They buy their kids condoms or they put them on birth control. And if you are a, a young adult who's in that position where your parent is buying you condoms or putting you on birth control for that, or you're that parent, 
you got to remember Proverbs 22 verse 6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You do not want to set your son or daughter up for failure, for spiritual forfeiture. A parent is a parent. A parent is not your friend, or at least they shouldn't be in that regard. The last one that I want you to think about that our culture tells us is that body count doesn't matter. If you're not familiar with body count, body count means how many people you've had sexual relationships with. They say it doesn't matter. But 1 Corinthians 6 verse 16 tells us, do you not know that a man who joins himself to a woman who sells the use of her body becomes a part of her? The holy writings say the two will become one. And some of you are like, I never pay for a prostitute. But it's like, come on, man, you took her on a whole date and paid for it with the expectations of I better get something. I did this. So she better give me that. But that's neither here nor there. Or that's not the point. The main point. The main point is that when you have sex outside of marriage, you're joining and becoming one with someone else. And that's why I talked about earlier about that wiring to be jealous. And research shows, even if you aren't a Christian, that the higher your body count is, the more likely you are to cheat if you get married. And something that the devil in our culture really does is like, well, if you already have kids or you're already in sexual sin or you already had a reputation, like it's too late. Just just keep doing it because it's hopeless and it's no point. But that couldn't be further from the truth. And in the Bible, with Jesus interaction with the Samaritan woman in John chapter four, he takes that point and he flips it up down and he slams it on his head because Jesus cared for that Samaritan woman despite her past. And he loved her so much that it compelled her to go back into her city and say, hey, come see this man who told me all these things that I ever did. She had a scandalous, promiscuous past. And she says, you know, could this be the Christ? And then her whole entire town went out of the city and came to see Jesus. Read about that in John chapter four. And I just want to close with this. Sex is a reward and a blessing of marriage. And marriage is supposed to be one of the greatest forms of love. It's supposed to match and be like God's agape love. You know, like Jesus dying on the cross and paying for our sins despite us being unworthy of it. God is very pro-sex, but he's also very much about order and protecting us. The gift of sex is the reward he makes clear is for a married couple, a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. Our world makes it seem like God just doesn't want people to have fun or have this reward. But in reality, God wants us to make sure that this powerful expression of love doesn't allow the devil to steal our souls to destroy our bodies and to hurt and curse those he loves, which includes yourself. If you're married, I hope you're having lots of sex like rabbits in the spring. Actually, I don't even know if rabbits do that in the spring, but you get my point. I just hope you're having a godly marriage and your sex life is awesome. But if you're not married, I pray that you see the importance of doing it God's way and with the order that he instructs. And this is the non-microwave truth. This was the first part of our series, S-E-X. Next week, we'll be on part two and discussing porn. And I caught myself. I almost said we're going to be looking at porn, but that would have sounded horrible. And somebody took a snippet and tried to cancel me. Don't forget to hit the five star. Share this with a friend. Or if you liked it, write a review. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.